Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 48, we sit down with Alex Figueres. Really fun conversation, catching up with Alex, finding out about his entrepreneurial path and some of the roots that he has in entrepreneurship and and also what he's seeing in the market from an energy efficiency standpoint, some of the projects that his businesses are pursuing today. Alex also drops some wisdom on us when he describes what he wants his lasting legacy to be. Be sure to stick around until the end for that. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of the people who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation between Alex and I. So let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Alex Figueres, who is a a serial entrepreneur and also runs Energy Integrated Solutions. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, Jim. Yeah, of course. I know we've known each other for a long time, and then we started this podcast thing, and we did a little bit of back and forth and getting rescheduled and scheduled again. So I'm glad we're finally making this happen. I'm thrilled to be able to do this. I really appreciate you uh, including me in the list. Yeah, of course. Of course. Well, let's. Um, so for the audience that doesn't know who Alex Figueres is, I'm sure a lot of people do, but I'm sure a lot of our listeners don't. Could you give us a little background, you know, kind of how you got started in the industry? And then also we can go back a little bit further, you know, tell the audience about where you grew up and then kind of how you got started in the industry. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, so I was a, a guy who never thought was going to be an entrepreneur, even though my family runs deep, uh, whether it's uh, entrepreneurship or also some work in you know sales related fields, which to a certain extent is kind of pseudo entrepreneur. Um, just a quick story here. My grandfather who's originally from Spain. He actually had to start from scratch twice. Uh, first, when he had to leave the Spain for the civil war in the 1930s. Wow. Uh, that time he was, uh, you know, uh, a bachelor. So it was not a huge deal, but he moved to Cuba. From there, actually, after Castro, he also had to start, you know, and leave some businesses behind. So like I said, it's deep rooted, but I was a corporate person and um, was able to get in the, I apologize for the phone, was able to get in Oh, the entrepreneurship work after, uh, you know, being able to save some money and have some opportunity that I just couldn't pass by. So starting our own business, I had two other partners in the in the first uh, entrepreneurship venture that we went to, and from there we actually have grown into two additional companies. One of the companies is actually exclusively in the LED world, uh, doing fixtures that uh, we could actually assemble fixtures in the United States, where uh, uh, authorized UL certified facility, and the other company more in the actual installation of uh, with this electrical side as well as the mechanical side. Well, all right. So I feel like we got to go back a second with your grandfather, Spain, and then Cuba and having these different like 
false starts with running the business based on, you know, political pressures. I think entrepreneurs now, you know, just have different types of challenges to overcome and that they're going to face, but I don't think anyone can quite relate to that. So your grandfather would probably say, Hey, quit complaining. I had to deal with a lot worse. <laughs> that is exactly the way he was. And, you know, his, his last stint of work was in, uh, well, from Cuba, he moved to Puerto Rico and, you know, he was already in his sixties. Uh, he actually, did some work as a sales guy. Uh, a lot of people don't know the Fuller Brush branch, but it was basically, you know, door by door selling. And he made, you know, enough money there so that in very short time, he was able to get social security available for my grandmother. Hmm. Who, that's another story. She lived to 103 years. So they definitely was able to get a good, you know, good benefits out of the social security. Wow. Wow. What a cool, what a cool story. So the, uh, the entrepreneurship, it's, it's, it's in your blood. Like you were saying, it's, it's in the roots. So you eventually, so you, you got into it a little bit there. You went the corporate side first. And then when was like the first time that you really got all in and kind of start your own business and, and really taking the pure entrepreneurial path? Right. Just walk uh, us through it, that. Uh, absolutely. Yes. It really started in 2007, okay. uh, late 2007, beginning of 2008 which obviously we all know what happened at the end of 2008. So from a timing perspective, it was not the best time. But it was like, you know, the corporate world was was becoming extremely taxing from the perspective of time and also the the expectations of uh, so much with a lot of less resources. So in, in my mind, it's like the risk of, staying in the corporate world versus the risk of becoming an entrepreneur was more or less becoming, you know, similar. Um, I mean, it's, it, it is, it isn't, but there were some, some things that were like, it doesn't make that much of a difference. I'm so much at risk in the corporate as I'm in the, in being an entrepreneur and not, you know, obviously knowing that not getting a monthly check, but at the same time, setting up my own future. Yeah. You have more control over your destiny at that point. Correct. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. We, we talk about that all the time, you know, on our side of the desk and, you know, what does job security look like? You know, sometimes having more control as an entrepreneur actually allows you to have more job security than maybe going the, the corporate route. So interesting perspective there. So yeah, bring us up to speed. So we mentioned integrated energy, integrated solutions, but you also mentioned a couple other different companies there at the beginning. So if you could just elaborate on that and maybe the different businesses that you guys have, how you're going to market, if you could just bring us up to speed there too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so energy integrated solutions, you know, started in 1978. It, uh, it is a company that we actually acquired. The original company uh, that we have was basically called EIS Americas and actually still call EIS Americas. And we saw the energy integrated solutions as a complementary uh, business, a company that had been around much longer than we had. So we could use all the experience, all the basically brand recognition and everything else that they brought as well as uh, in terms of you go to market question is like one of the things that was extremely appealing is, uh, and the company had a large network of the, the word that they that we still use is affiliates. So it's almost, it's not a franchisee, but it's not an independent sales rep. So it's kind of like somewhere in between where we're very work together very closely to the point where we provide engineering solutions and they're actually the ones that own the account, manage the project, but there's a, almost like a co-op type of a relationship where they work together amongst themselves, you know, an affiliate in New York could actually get an affiliate in New Jersey to help them 
in a project, to project manage it or to do a walkthrough or to do a specific analysis. We provide on our side the talent to be able to, you know, these are the new types of solutions, the portfolio of energy conservation measures. And then, you know, the, the detail analysis of this is what the savings would be. And then at the end of the project, also the measurement, measurement and verification using the IPMVP methodology. So that's what Energy Integrated Solution does. As we were doing projects, we saw there was an opportunity for having a, you know, instead of subcontracting all the projects out to mostly electrical contractors as well as mechanical contractors, we said, why don't we just actually, you know, create our own uh, network and uh, even do some of those ourselves. So self-performing type of work. And what that company has really taken off because they, like everything in life, I mean, we, we've targeted one particular area and that's actually making sure that we excel in the delivery. So we create a, a convenience to the customers where they basically said, we're giving it to that company is called Facility Integrated Solutions. Uh, also, we have a DBA, which talks a little bit about you know, our philosophy, which is no excuses, heating and air. And that's the, the philosophy that we have. It's like, we'll make it happen no matter what, because there's always going to be issues. We have expanded from mostly industrial world and the energy integrated solutions to also the retail and the commercial, the small commercial. Uh, so in the facility integrated, we are actually doing projects now that are, you know, thousand job sites uh, in 30 states. We have another one that's 600 plus replacements of mechanical equipment, ice machines, water heaters, rooftop units in about 26 states. And then finally, we have the lighting company. Uh, it's called Metrotech Media Lighting. And they are just think of it as a OEM for LED lights. And we can do, like I said earlier, we can do uh, what's called uh, by American Act. So enough content of the lights to be able to provide for the federal government. So we work through distributors and manufacturers reps in that area. Well, I had no idea that you were involved in so many different businesses. So I'm trying to figure out which, which direction we can go here. I think the one thing that I had, I just made a note of, you mentioned on the industrial side, I think that was originally with EIS, which I would imagine industrial tends to be, you know, especially when you mentioned multiple energy conservation measures, tends to be a little bit more complex, maybe some harsher environments. But then you think retail, you mentioned retail, kind of national accounts, those are going to be complex, but in a different nature because there's a lot more of them. But the facilities tend to be a little bit more straightforward. That's just the way I look at it. So how did how did that transition or how did that pivot happen from the heavy industrial into retail? Like what opportunity did you guys see there and why did you end up pursuing it? Basically, like everything to a certain extent, it's like you were thinking, how can we grow more? And it, we, we were growing by, in addition to the affiliate network, we started creating partnerships with uh, some of the industrial distributors out there, uh, the Grangers, the Motion Industries, and those type of companies and telling them, hey, we can help you expand your own businesses instead of just being a material or parts provider. There's services and obviously those services, which are energy projects, provide more benefits. In that strategic view is when we started looking at how do we create expansion of you know, doing some of those services so that we can get a bigger share of the pie. And instead of putting it on their energy integrated solutions, we kind of like said, hey, let's let's keep that on the on the facility integrated solutions. Uh, and as we were looking at that market, 
some connections of some of the principals led us into the the small retail. Uh, started with some commercial shopping centers and then led us to some retails. And we saw, like you said, great opportunity with national accounts because they're hungry for companies that can deliver national projects. And that's where we have really excelled, being able to do you know national rollouts and particularly well done, but also in a very tight time frame. We've broken records in several of these projects. And this is not us saying it is you know, the manufacturers like Lennox or York or Ream in terms of how much we have been able to install in a small period of time. Uh, and then from there, we said, hey, this is working. You know, let's, let's, let's expand it. I'm listening. I'm hearing this pattern of, okay, new market opportunity. How can this supplement and complement what we're already doing? Now, how can we gain more market share? So I got to ask, what's next? You don't have to give away any like secret sauce here, but what's the next avenue that you see yourselves pursuing? I think it's always the, you know, trying to keep the growth mentality of even what we have now, we can improve. So there there are plans to bring in more uh, more of the talent uh, into complementary businesses. So it, it sounds like we're, we, we are definitely diversifying, but we're getting into, for example, residential market for the HVAC. Mm. And that way, you know, we work with the cycles of the commercial, the industrial and the residential at the same time. And that's, uh, you know, to be determined since we we are just starting the, the residential, we acquire a company. So that's really what's next. And, you know, what we're seeing in that market again is the same thing is the underdeserved process because it's all about, as you know, you know, understanding clearly not just all the software tools, because all the companies have it in terms of how to handle a customer from the beginning to end, but it's that interaction and how do we make that interaction better? Uh, as simple as, you know, even when you go on and visit a, a, a residence, here's a pen of our company or here's a little, you know, LED light. We try that in, in, in terms of uh, before we started in the residential market, we actually brought in as to our own homes, the, the type of customers that would be our companies that would be our competitors, excuse me. And we saw a lot of opportunities for improvement. So we're trying to, as we're just kicking it off, making sure that we keep that, those new ideas into our, you know, new company that we acquired. And then on the other companies is, uh, I, I don't think I mentioned earlier, but Energy Integrated Solutions for the second year in a row, won the highest energy savings for large commercial and industrial in the state of Arkansas. And Entergy in Arkansas is the number one incentive program in the nation by far. The second best is uh, Comet in the Illinois area. And we actually, one of our affiliates, it actually has won that award for two years in a row. And again, they're also the second best by far. Uh, after that, you know, it's probably a huge gap between the, the next utility incentive. So we, we are trying to be strategic we do a lot of work in those two markets because some of the projects are basically paid by themselves. So no, no money out or very little money out with paybacks that are in the weeks, sometimes at best, you know, months. So basically definitely under one year. Well, let's stay on that same track as far as like looking at opportunities. So let's back up for a second. So you walked us through your businesses, where you guys are pursuing the different markets, but 
as a whole, let's look out maybe five, 10 years later on down the road, the industry at, at large, where do you see the industry heading? You can see that from like a technology standpoint, project standpoint. What's your view on that? As you probably have heard or seen on the news, I think the, the only way is up. There's the, maybe it's not the wrong, a trend or a movement or both of what's called ESG reporting, which stands for, you know, environment, social, and governance. And the first two in particular will have an impact on us because environment in particular, companies are looking at, uh, this is a consortium of about 100 companies that own or manage over $100 trillion in business, BlackRock being, you know, the top one, almost $8 trillion in business. And they're all pushing this because they're seeing that companies that do ESG as a part of their ingrained nature are the ones where the they grow the fastest in this in the in the market and they're the, the top companies. So for us it's a it's great in the sense of hey, there's gonna be more business coming in uh in those areas. And we are even working on some of the aspects of you know how do you tie all that to to your social capital and your social growth and in the in your community because obviously when you work on initiatives that are going to save energy or in or it could be obviously gas or water it's going to help the entire community too makes sense makes sense well let's transition to the last part of the show here there's the same four questions that I ask that every guest that comes on alex what are your daily non-negotiables honesty is that to, to me you know one of the tops it, it sounds really, to a certain extent, mm-hmm. super basic, but we always said from the beginning, you cannot do good business with bad people. So we, uh, we always look for, even, uh, even you know, customers that we have uh, walked away from projects where we saw that this is, would be really not a relationship where it's, it's going to be beneficial to both parties. And, and we've done that even, you know, with some of our affiliates because it, it's, it just drains so much resources that uh, if, if you cannot have in principle that, you know, you're trying there to make sure that a customer is satisfied. But we, more than anything, you know, maybe, maybe another goal is like we're not in the business of just doing projects. We, we feel like we're in the business of helping transform our organization towards a process-driven approach of how do they maximize the resources? I mean, I like that word of transformation because to a certain extent, you know, hopefully you're not transforming just the business, but you're helping transform, you know, the, some of the, the people you're working with, the workforce, in thinking of that, how do I keep environment? So those are, you know, kind of a couple of the key non-negotiables. No, I love that. And, and I like the word transformation too, because the antithesis of that is transactional, right? And a lot of people in business are going to be transactional. So that's kind of like phase one and the transformational is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. So uh, no, that's great. So let's rewind the clock a few years, just a couple of years back to 22-year-old Alex. What advice would you give to yourself back then? I have to come up with just one. I would say you should have started earlier because uh, I was early 40s when I started this. So uh, in my terms of being an entrepreneur, okay, okay, it it, it is, uh, and and follow your heart. I mean, it's it obviously there's there's the risk, but it's it's like maybe uh, maybe I should have 
save more and 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 uh so that we'll be more ready you know there's always that first couple of years obviously are extremely hard uh, but that that would be my one advice <laughs> yeah yeah well better late than never right correct yeah absolutely yeah no I that's, change that's it for anything now yeah yeah absolutely so what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning I think we hit it on earlier. It's it's is that possibility of the transformation. I mean, and this ESG trend, like I'm talking about, it's that. It's it's uh, you know, how do you move yourself? The the only thing that I was just like, you know, transformation, it's a process. It's not. It's rare that somebody just kind of you know can turn around, and switch, and change a particular behavior or do something super dramatic. So in my mind, it's like you know, it's that daily or how do I do better or i mean uh, i'm not going to quote the person but most people probably know but it's like i like the 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 little idea of you know compare yourself to nobody except yourself yesterday so to me it ties to that transformation of looking at how do you how can you be better every day love that last question here what do you want your lasting legacy to be to me it, it's i don't i don't look for a legacy per se uh, it's just trying to, to be the best that I can be at the different roles in my life, whether it's believer, husband, father, CEO, worker, co-worker, relative friend, and all that. It's it's like if if I'm trying to do the best I can, which I'm not always the best I you know I can be, that is uh is to me enough legacy, you know? Uh and whatever happens. Uh, happens. It's, I, we got to be careful in this world, particularly in our culture of too much activism and not being, you know, sometimes it's just like the best things and even ideas, actually. Uh, we don't have time, but, uh, you know, some of the best business ideas are when we're just literally just sitting around, you know, eating with somebody or driving with somebody or hanging out with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the show here. So Alex, thanks for coming on the Building Efficiency Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. Good luck. We'll be in touch. All righty. All right. There you have it. Episode 48 with Alex Figueres. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.